Father, we come before you in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. You alone are worthy. The book of Revelation, there was no one found worthy to open the scroll and read it, but you alone, the Lamb that was slain. Lord, you alone in heaven and on earth are worthy. And we give you praise and we worship you this morning. God, I pray you would fill hearts to overflowing with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, I pray you would open our ears and open our hearts, open our eyes to see the wonderful things you've done and show us wonderful things from your law today. God, I pray you would help me to speak and I pray, God, that it would find a fertile soil in the hearts of people listening. God, that it would be life-changing. We thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Christmas is, of course, the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, it is culturally wonderful, but it is more important spiritually wonderful that we are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ but bigger than that, deeper than that, it's what the birth of Christ implies. It's what God was doing in Christ uh, through the incarnation. Uh, and we are thrilled in this Advent season, week number three, to be looking forward to with eager anticipation um, the Christmas day, but really the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And uh, the first two weeks of Advent, we spent time talking about the second coming of Christ. And now the next two weeks of Advent, what we would like to do is focus on um, the first coming of Christ. As we zero in on Christmas, shove aside the, the clutter and the, uh, the mindsets of busyness and everything else that's going on in our world, which is a lot uh, a lot is going on in our world, and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear uh, for a myriad of reasons. And this morning, my sermon is going to deal uh, with that directly and how God solves that problem of anxiety and fear uh, for all of mankind through Jesus Christ. So, if you've got a Bible, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to read um, Isaiah chapter 7, the first two verses. And then we're going to just kind of go right through Isaiah 7 into Isaiah 9. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, who's the king, and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Let's do a little quick background here of what we're talking about. Uh, third week of Advent is not normally Ahaz, the king, but let's, let's talk about him. He is king over Judah, uh, where Judah and Israel are two separate kingdoms at this time in Israel's history. This is about 700 years before 
the birth of Christ, Ahaz is a terrible, wicked king. Um, in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2, it simply says, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Later, you find and you read in Chronicles and Kings that Ahaz actually led Israel to worship false gods, but also the big problem of Ahaz was his total capitulation and bowing down to the king of Assyria, and he actually took silver and gold out of the temple of God and tried to use that as bribe money uh, for, for the Assyrian army. And even with all that, things didn't go the way that he wanted. So Ahaz is not a great king. And you hear here what happens not only to Ahaz, but the entire house of David being told that Syria is in league with Ephraim. So some of your family, that would be uh, Pekah, son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, they teamed up with Syria to attack Judah. And Ahaz is terrified when this happens. It says, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. They're scared. And so, in this scene, uh, in Israel's history, you, if you come with me in Isaiah chapter 7 down to verse 10, you find what the prophet Isaiah says, what God is saying to King Ahaz and how he wants to address the issue. And here it is in verse 10. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. In other words, ask God anything. The prophet is coming to tell King Ahaz, ask God anything, whether it's as deep as Sheol, clear into Hades, into the grave, or as high as heaven, ask him anything. Now listen to Ahaz's response. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Have you ever heard anybody act religiously pious and just exuding a religiosity that is totally disconnected from God? Have you ever been the person who's got a lot of religiosity that's totally in your heart disconnected from God? Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Ahaz is demonstrating someone who has a knowledge of God. He's probably referring back to Deuteronomy, which says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But when the prophet of God comes to you and says, ask whatever you want, high is heaven, low is the grave, that's not the time to say, whoa, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. He is clearly demonstrating that he doesn't trust God, he doesn't have faith in God, he doesn't hardly believe in God, he just follows the norms of the religious system that he's the king of. His entire life demonstrates that. And listen to the prophet Isaiah, listen to his response. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? What, what is Isaiah saying? Isaiah is saying, You have wearied the nation of Israel with your insolence and your rebellion and your wickedness. Are you going to weary God also? Offer up pious words of religiosity? when you are totally in rebellion against God and don't have any faith in Him at all. Now, now, 
the next sentence is one you are very familiar with. But I, you, I wanted us to see the context of this famous sentence. So, is it too little for you to, to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you, wicked King Ahaz, he is going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The famous verse that we're going to look at in Matthew, that Matthew quotes in reference to the birth of Christ, comes in the middle of a judgment passage uh, on King Ahaz. The Lord, your, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, Emmanuel means God with us. He shall eat curds and honey, and he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. It's a reference to him being old enough to understand uh, what's right and what's wrong. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. There, there is so much in here, but this verse about Emmanuel and the virgin conceiving is one of the most important verses in the Old Testament pointing forward to Christ, pointing forward to his first advent, his first coming. But I want to stop right here, and we're going to get into that section. But before we do, I just want you to, to understand and to know some of the challenges that have come into this passage of Scripture, uh, specifically around the word virgin. Virgin in Hebrew is Alma, and it simply means a young woman of marriageable age. And there's been centuries of debate that uh, where people have tried to discredit the virgin birth, that that's not what this means. That's not what this means. But that is what it means, and that is what Matthew interprets that it means. It can be translated a young woman of marriageable age, but Alma in all of the Old Testament writings is understood to mean a young woman who is not yet married, which is why the Septuagint, which was written, it's the Greek version of the Old Testament, which was written before uh, the birth of Christ, uses the word parthenos, which is the Greek word for virgin. So that word gets a lot of controversy, so I just want to throw that out there, church. This is something for you to set aside in your mind and know that a lot of times at this time of year, you see programs on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, uh, you see it online where people will post articles that sound smart, uh, trying to discredit uh, the virgin birth or discredit the Word of God. So I'm just giving you a little tidbit to know those questions have been known and answered for hundreds of years. So I just want to throw that out there. I have a, I have a daughter in college, and so I always am thinking about the kind of stuff that the world uh, is out there throwing against the faith that we hold precious and dear. Let me read to you out of uh, the expositor's commentary what they say about what's happening here. Because Ahaz is the first guy to hear about this virgin giving birth. And it's hard to say exactly what he would have thought about it. 
And prophets were always saying things that were somewhat murky or hard to decipher until they, uh, till they happened. But there is, in a lot of instances throughout the Bible, a twofold fulfillment to prophecy. And this is a great example where there was an immediate context uh, of a sign that Ahaz would have been aware of, of a virgin or a young maiden giving birth, not a virgin like Mary, but she's of a young marriageable age and she's going to get married and have a son. And before that child knows the good or the bad, these people that you're afraid of, it's all, I'm already going to take care of everything. And I'm going to read you what they say about it. Uh, the expositor's commentary. An unmarried young woman within the royal house will shortly marry and conceive. Her son would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Probably in ignorance of the prophecy, which may have been given in the presence only of Ahaz, and possibly even as a presumptuous gesture to give the support of a complacent piety to the king's pro-Assyrian policy, because Ahaz is pro-Assyrian. Before the child is old enough to eat the characteristic food of the promised land in solid form, and so well before the age of moral discretion, the Assyrians will lay waste the lands of Aram and Israel, which they did in 733-732 B.C., only a year or two after Isaiah's prophecy. In other words, there was an immediate fulfillment to this prophecy because Assyria did uh, come in and lay waste uh, to the lands of Aram and Israel just two years after this, which would mean, here's the sign. There's a young marriageable woman uh, that is going to give birth. She's going to call his name Emmanuel, and it's going to be a sign to you that uh, before he's even old enough to know the good from the bad, before he's even old enough to eat uh, the food that we eat, Assyria is going to do this. And that is exactly what happened. But that is not exactly uh, the end of the story because there is a two-level uh, fulfillment to the prophecy and that second level is found in the New Testament. In fact, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 to the familiar Christmas story, you find Matthew quoting this passage out of Isaiah about Jesus. Let's read uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now notice Matthew makes very distinct before they came together. They had not yet had marital relations. They were not yet married. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, which we just read, Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. He did not have sexual relationship with her. Until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So, the New Testament fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy that had a fulfillment in the immediate moment has a secondary and ultimate fulfillment in Christ. We see a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament that had a specific fulfillment there, but also was understood to have a fulfillment later. A lot of the prophecies about the second coming of Christ are, are this way. But this, this prophetic description of a sign coming, of a, a virgin giving birth, found its unique expression in Jesus through His mother Mary. There has never been a virgin birth outside of this virgin birth. And this birth, it's not a scientific explanation. It is not a natural explanation for for what happened in the virgin birth. It is a supernatural event ordained by God in the incarnation of God becoming or taking on flesh and being fully God and fully man. And the way that that happened was through the virgin birth. This is one of the core and key foundational doctrines of Christianity. We do not believe that Jesus Christ was merely a man that God selected, born of Mary and Joseph, and God gave him special gifts and talents. Nor do we believe that he came wandering out of the desert somewhere, just formed like Adam was out of the dust of the ground, and uh, as uh, a demigod type figure. We believe as Christians that Jesus Christ is both fully God and fully man. He is both simultaneously forever. When we see Jesus in heaven, we will still see the scars in His hands, in His feet, and in His side. He will look like a human being because He is a human being. Fully God, fully man. And this virgin birth is super important because if you take it away, and there have been theologians uh, that have done this, and when you start getting away from central biblical teachings, you are drifting off into scary land. In fact, where you're drifting off to is where King Ahaz was. You are drifting off into the world of religious piety and religiosity, but don't really believe it. You can quote Scripture, I'm not going to test the Lord, I'm not going to... But you don't believe the prophet when the prophet tells you you can ask whatever. So, the virgin birth is incredibly important uh, to our faith as Christians. But I wanted you to see the connection there so that we can go back into Isaiah chapter 9 and follow up with Isaiah's total picture as he's been talking to King Ahaz in Isaiah 7, 8, and 9. We, we're not going to have time to do all of that uh, this morning. But I want us to go back to the other famous passage out of that section of Scripture that we're all familiar with. And I want us to connect the dots with King Ahaz, who's hearing this for the first time, and what God intends for you and for me. Because there are incredible implications for us 
if God is who He says He is, and He is with us. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read the first seven verses. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his oppressor, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now I recognize that this does not sound like a Christmas carol yet. Okay, I think it would be great to throw in every boot of tramping warrior in battle tumult. It would be great for somebody out there to write a Christmas carol on this particular section. Because the very next line is, for unto us a child is born. So that's where we get into the Christmas part. So we think, this whole thing is the Christmas part. Because this whole thing is about the coming of the Savior, the Christ, the Savior of the world, who is breaking rods of oppression. And He is the reason why there's this overflow and increase of joy and rejoicing. And so every foreign warrior that marched in Israel and destroyed and the garments are rolled in blood, all of that is going to be taken away. Why? How? For to us, a child is born. This is why. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Of His government and of peace there will be no end. This Emmanuel, God with us, born of a virgin, in a manger, Matthew tells us, this is Jesus, is going to have names associated with Him and things that He does where He is bringing light, bringing joy, breaking off oppression. There's going to be massive rejoicing. All of the garments rolled in blood of all the war and all the hatred and all of the enemy, you can take this literally for Israel, you can take it spiritually for yourself, all of the works of darkness, all of the chain of sin, every work of the devil destroyed, because for unto us a child is born. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, according to 1 John. That is what is happening. And the works of the devil and the works of sin have been rolled up and burnt and thrown away because the Savior has come. Of His government and of His kingdom, 
there will be no end. The increase of his government and peace will go on and on and on. God does not lose. And if you are his child today, listen to the names. And if you're not his child, listen to these names. Wonderful Counselor. Now, when I've heard that my entire life, I have always thought of that as Jesus, the most excellent therapist. But that is not what this means. He is a comforter to all of the complexities of our mind and our soul and our emotions, but that is not what wonderful counselor means. A counselor in the context of this warfare is somebody who brings strategy and advice in the middle of a battle. Jesus is the wonderful counselor that is going to, with ultimate wisdom, provide everything that His people need for every situation. He is a wonderful counselor. He will lead His people. He is mighty God. I'm not even sure how to expound on that. He is the mighty God. Jesus, the mighty God. Everlasting Father. These are titles that are given. Jesus is not the Father, but here He is called Everlasting Father. It signifies the fatherly care that He has forever and ever and ever as Creator and taking care of His people. And then finally, the Prince of Peace. He settles all disputes. He reigns forever and ever in peace. And this God, who came to us in the manger, who came to us as wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The government is on his shoulder. His kingdom has no end. And he is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God. He is our everlasting father, and he is the prince of peace. And if you are a Christian today, that is who is with you. The warrior king, Jesus, is with you. Providing wisdom, providing help, providing comfort through the Holy Spirit. He is with you. Now, how am I tying that back into King Ahaz? Verse 2 of chapter 7 says, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Why? Because all Ahaz had was a religiosity that was not grounded in faith. He knew the right words. He knew the right sayings. He knows the right ceremonies. He does not know the King of Kings. So he rejects the words of the prophet and gives a hypocritical, pious, religious, I'm not going to test the Lord. My challenge for you today on Advent is to know this Christ, this wonderful Counselor, this Prince of Peace, this King of kings, as increase of His government and of His peace, there will be no end. Know Him today as the Savior who will save you from the oppression of sin and save you from the dictatorship of Satan and His kingdom. He will rescue you from that, translate you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His glorious light, Colossians chapter 2. Jesus Christ is the Savior of of the world. Do not be King Ahaz and think that you know because you know a couple Bible verses and because you went to church a couple times or you said a prayer at church camp when you were 12. 
Do you belong to Him today? You can know the King of kings, the Prince of peace, the Lord of lords. He is calling to you today. The birth of Christ and Christmas gives us an opportunity to look directly at what God did. For God so loved the world that He gave this wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. He is calling you today and saying, stop being religiosity person. Stop being an American Christian that's been to church a couple times, but it doesn't affect the way you live. When you meet this Savior, this King born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, crucified and raised again from the dead, when you meet Him, everything changes. Everything changes when you meet this King. And I I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you don't know Him, cry out to Him right now and say, Lord, I need You. Forgive me. Come into my life. I believe. Get a Bible. Let us know if you don't have one. We will get you one. Get into a church. I know it's all wild and wacky because of COVID. Who cares? Find a church. Find a place. Plug in in a Bible-believing church and know this King. Now, for all my Christians out there and all my Celebration Church folks, let me just tell you, you take out of this also that He is the wonderful wartime counselor to provide strategies and stratagems against everything going on in life. Know that He is God with us. Emmanuel, be comforted to know that His kingdom has no end and nothing is stopping His kingdom. Nothing is stopping the increase of His government and His peace. It doesn't matter who won the election. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in 2021. It doesn't matter what's happening with the vaccines. It doesn't matter what's happening with COVID. It doesn't matter what's happening in the media. It doesn't matter what's happening anywhere. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we pay ultimate homage to Him. And we are ultimately submitted to Him. And it is my prayer that you will know the comfort and peace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in the light of His Son. Today and throughout all this Christmas season, God is with us. Let's pray. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank You for these precious truths. Very familiar to us a lot of these verses. And Lord, I, I pray that You would shake the rust off of our familiarity and You would breathe new life on old truths. And God, that they would be fresh in our hearts and in our minds and in our families. And God, for everybody out there that doesn't know You, I pray, God, that You would arrest their heart, open their eyes, that they would see the glorious light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank You for this and give You praise for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we go in totality, I want to invite you to uh, go to our website, celebrationchurchwv.com. We're receiving our offering uh, this way. You can give through the Tithely app. There's a link on our website. I want to encourage you to give as the Lord leads and as you can do so. Um, Towards the end of the year, it is uh, great to finish up the year strong, 
uh, in our giving, so I just want to encourage you to do that. There's multiple things you can give towards. Thank you for your faithfulness uh, in giving through all of uh, the ups and the downs um, that we've had because of uh, COVID-19. Cannot wait till that word is not a part of my vocabulary. The other thing that I would like to say is um, we are actually filming our Christmas play and they've been working on it. We've got a lot of people working really hard. Uh, we were going to premiere that on December 24th for the sake of editing and for the sake of the people who have lives outside of editing um, and filming. We are uh, actually going to premiere that video uh, on Sunday morning following Christmas, which I believe is the 27th uh, of December. And we're going to actually, that'll be our church service here is going to be that video, but we're going to premiere it on uh, YouTube and through the channel. And uh, it is totally, this is one of those God things, and I'm just going to just wait till you see it. It was going to be a play. Because of COVID, we decided to do a movie. We got different people involved. It is going to exceed your expectations. Um, so looking forward to that. Also, uh, if there are any other announcements, I don't know what they are. But those are the most. Those are the ones that are most present uh, tense in my mind. Our offering. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, also the uh, the Christmas play that's coming up right around the corner. Rollerama has been canceled uh, until February. We just wanted to push that back till we get into February. And any other things, check Facebook, check your email. If you want, if you don't get our email, let us know, and we will get that, get you set up with that. I am done rambling. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.